0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, Welcome, welcome. On behalf of the leadership of this church, uh, my name is Robbie Simons, and I get to be one of the pastors here, and um, we want to sincerely welcome you. Again, those who are part of Harvest Oakville, and especially those two who are visitors with us Today, on what we consider to be a very, very important celebration. Today we celebrate an important time for our church. It's a very important time recognizing the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been praying specifically that you would also be able to recognize and share in how important this truth is and what this day that we remember really means. What do we celebrate today specifically as we gather um, as the church of Jesus Christ? We celebrate what is theologically called the Incarnation. The incarnation is literally the infleshing of God. It's taken from the root word in the Latin carne, which means. Flesh and can also even mean meat in different forms of languages. This is the day when Jesus Christ was sent to the earth, when God became man, when God took on flesh. It is the incarnation. Again, the infleshing of God. Understand this too. The incarnation, meaning the birth of Christ, Christmas Day, is the turning point for all of history. Whether you're a genuine believer in Jesus Christ or you find yourself to be agnostic, and even the most ardent skeptics must admit that when Jesus Christ was born, thus began the most influential life of all time. By a landslide, I mean, second place isn't even close. Any honest evaluation with integrity of the life of Jesus Christ will be led in honesty to sit back in wonder and really say, how could one person have such an impact? How is it possible that here we are all these years later, and the Lord Jesus Christ still radically changing lives across this globe? Here's how one writer put it. He said this, 20 wide centuries have come and gone today, and he, Jesus, is the centerpiece of the human race, the leader of the column of progress. He says, I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, All the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, you put them all together and they have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life, Jesus of Nazareth. Now why is this so? Because it is so. How is all this possible again? Here we are 2,000 years later and a continent away. And lives are literally being transformed again across this world for Jesus Christ. And the amount of lives that are being changed is staggering. But now listen, the media doesn't tell you this. Not in our land. The media has no interest in reporting the reality of how Jesus Christ is changing life after life after life. One example is, there is now conservative estimates report that in the nation of China... There are so many millions of genuine followers of Jesus Christ. If you put them all together, they would equal four times the entire population of Canada. I mean, just think about that. Here we are in Canada. I'm going to clap. Amen. Amen. But just, but just think about it. In Canada, we're like, oh, God is dead and things are going down. We just You've got to get your head out of the sand and look around, but we don't hear this stuff. There's hundreds of millions of believers. And to be a follower of Jesus Christ, the moment you sign that dotted line to say, I'm following Christ, you're persecuted. It's not like you're being invited to the easy life. It's not like you're being invited to the life where you get a bunch of money and life goes really well and you're guaranteed, no, no, you're guaranteed hardship. What does that tell you, man? The the transformation is genuine. The, the, The legitimacy, the reality that the movement of Jesus Christ across this world, again, it is staggering, which dwarfs anything that we know even here in this nation. How could this be? How is it possible these things are taking place? Well, the answer to that is that first Christmas day and with the incarnation, what it meant was that Jesus Christ came as literally the son of God. He was born as God taking on flesh. Really what this means is this is God with us. And see, when God comes to earth, things are changing and lives are changing as well. When God comes there, it's not just not just wasting His time and doing it for fun. He's coming to revolutionize. He's coming to change. He's coming ultimately to save. And so that's why ever since Jesus has come, and again, just reporting to so many lives are being impacted. Now I extol you, I implore you, I exhort you, I encourage you to just take a moment in this life. I don't know where you're coming from exactly. I don't know what's happening in your life. But what happens in our society is so many people lose perspective so quickly. And what I mean by that is so our culture puts you on the hamster wheel, and then it's like this. And all of life, and we want it to be entertainment. We're going after sports. We're trying to make more money. We're living for the next thing. And I just want my next paycheck or next vacation or next opportunity. And we go through life like this, and we're so focused on the here and now. So many people come to the end of life, and all of a sudden they realize that there's this thing called death. And then they realize they are mortal and they face death for the first time. Like, wait, 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 what's my life about? And so often it's too late. That is the foolishness of our world. How many of you possibly are even here right now, you've never taken the time to seriously ask, is there anything beyond me? Ah, yes, there is. But just to take the time and just to ask, just to ask, just to take a moment away from the television (laughs) or from their phone, or from the internet, and just just say, wait, wait. What is this world really about? And I pray today that you will hear with great clarity, urgency, and with love what this world is really about. You think about Christmas, and you think the humility of Jesus Christ coming. You know, God doesn't come to earth on that first Christmas to impress the world. God does not come to fit in with the culture of the day. Uh, Jesus Christ is not, he's not born in order to rule in the pride of man. No, rather what he does do, he comes to transform those, listen, listen, those who know they need him. Jesus Christ comes in the whole Bethlehem story and the humility surrounded it pictures this. Jesus Christ comes for the broken. Jesus Christ comes for the humble. He comes to meet with the lowly, ultimately He comes for sinners. He comes for sinners who know that they need a savior. In our passage today from Matthew gospel and chapter one really explains all of this for us and we're going to see. If you have a Bible I encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter one. For those of you who don't these words these verses will be on the screen. This is the word of God. This is what changes lives. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament and Appreciate you turning there at the very least. You can look at the screen and see the words that could be used to change your life today. Matthew chapter one, verse 18 says this. Matthew 1 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child, notice from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just and unjust man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This is found from Isaiah, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And notice, and he called his name Jesus. Now, As it relates to our text this Christmas Eve day, I have three main words from you that we're going to pull out of this text, and all three of these words rhyme. Now, why do I do that? Because I'm a pastor and because I love you, all right? It's going to help you remember as well, okay? So here are the three words I'm going to pull out from these verses here as it relates to the beauty and the power of the incarnation. The first word is believe, the second word is receive, and the third word is perceive. Believe, receive, and perceive, and they apply to us all. When it comes to the incarnation, here's the first truth. If I'm going to be transformed by this message, here's what first must happen, number one. I must believe in his supernatural birth. I must believe in the supernatural birth of Jesus Christ, as it says in the Word of God. Now, verse 18, it says this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And the first thing we learn from Matthew's Gospel is Mary has been betrothed to Joseph. Now, I have a footnote in my Bible beside the word betrothed, which says, legally pledged to be married. So back then, engagement was as binding as being married engagement if you were to break it off would be equal to divorce marriages were often arranged they were often a form with a binding contract and often to a bride price was paid Engagement with a couple had little social contact, contact, and certainly there was no physical contact during the time of this engagement, or as they were betrothed to one another. Now notice in verse 18, the Bible makes it abundantly clear. It says, before they came together, before they were intimate with one another, the Bible is going out of its way to tell us that Mary was a virgin, Notice also the Bible telling us without question that Mary was found to be with child. And then in verse 18 it says, from the Holy Spirit. Now Joseph knew the first two. Obviously he was engaged to Mary. He saw that Mary was pregnant, but he did not yet know that this was a conception conceived by the Holy Spirit. So what we do as we're reading God's word is we try to put ourselves in the text to live within the characters to try to get a sense of what they must have been feeling. So put yourselves in the shoes of Joseph and imagine the shock. Imagine the bewilderment when he finds out that this woman he loves and is engaged to is carrying a child. Now the normal proceeding for any Jewish man found in this context would be to shame his wife. As the text even alludes to, it would be to divorce her and even see her go through severe punishment, not by his will, but by the law and what it said. But look at what the word says in verse 19. It says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So we read here, Joseph was a just and righteous man. We learn here he was a kind man. He was a gentle man man and men here today I can't resist a little Christmas Eve application in Christ we are called to be just men righteous men in Christ to be kind men listen to be gentle men and this is one of the reasons that Joseph was even chosen to do what he did because he was a good man these are the men that God uses Men of integrity, men of character, men who love the Lord Jesus Christ. But again, put yourselves in Joseph's shoes. Imagine the betrayal you would feel. Imagine the heartache. Imagine the anguish. Imagine the confusion. Imagine the anger. Imagine the sadness. But he was such a good man, it says, he resolved to divorce her quietly. How hard that would have been. But look at what comes next in verse 20. It says, but as he considers these things, so the stress he's considering, the anxiety he would be feeling as he considers this, as he's doing this, a powerful world shows up in verse 20. You see it there? It's the word, behold. Behold, there's a transition now in God's text. An angel appears, and for the second time in three verses, the virgin birth is confirmed. God's trying to send a message right now. He wants us to know how this took place. Verse 20, notice, the angel says, Joseph, son of David... Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, what we need to understand here is the magnitude of what is taking place. Think of what verse 20 is telling us. It's telling us that the only time in human history, here we have a woman carrying a seed in her that is not from man. The only time in human history this has ever happened. Without question, God's word explains over and over again that the birth of Jesus Christ is unlike any other in history. But the question that I'm asking, hopefully the question you're asking as well, is this, but why the virgin birth? Why was the virgin birth so necessary? Why did God choose to do it this way? Why could he not do it some other way? And I'm really glad you asked that question too. Because I want to put three huge reasons. and For some of us, we've never been taught this before. Some of us are even believers and we've never really understood why the virgin birth. On the screen for you right here, the three reasons, main reasons, why the virgin birth was so critical and necessary. First of all, because salvation can only come from the Lord. Think about it. It's impossible, based upon human effort, to come up with a virgin birth. We can't do it. It, it takes, the, again, a man and a woman to produce A child, there's no way to produce a true birth of a child apart from a man and a woman. So the virgin birth is unmistakably a reminder that this is from God and not from us. So the true gift of Christmas is God sent his son, we had nothing to do with it. God provided for us at Christmas something we could never have provided for ourselves. You see, because we can't save ourselves. We're never good enough, strong enough, holy enough, righteous enough. We can't solve the own, our own problem of sin. There's only one who can solve our problem of sin, and that's God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why He came through the virgin birth. Secondly, the virgin birth did this massive truth. It made possible the uniting of full deity and full humanity of Christ. So consider how smart and brilliant our God is. Oh, I love him and worship him. He sends his son this way. But think, God could have created Jesus in heaven and then sent him as a 25-year-old. He could have done that. But then we would have doubted that he was ever really human. And then he could not truly be the mediator between man and God. He could not fully relate to us. The other side of this, God could have had Jesus born from human parents and then later on in Jesus' life, God could have united the human nature of Jesus Christ with his divine nature again sometime after he was born. But then without a doubt we would start to doubt that he was actually fully God. But then consider how God sent his son through the virgin birth. It's ingenious. It's awesome. It's a combination of human and divine influence. Think about it. His full humanity recognized by human birth and his full deity recognized through the Holy Spirit conception. Our God is so awesome. We would never make this stuff up. We're not smart enough. God in his glory designed this before the foundation of the world. This is why the virgin birth was so necessary. And thirdly, last but not least, this is so important, The virgin birth allowed that Jesus was born without sin. He was not born into sin. Why is that so big deal? Because every human being ever born apart from Jesus Christ is born into and with sin. Every child ever born proves this pretty quickly. Amen, parents? Right? And now I remember when my oldest, he's 12 now, but my oldest, when he was one, I remember this specifically in our townhouse. He got on the floor and when he did not get his own way in protest, he would take his head and literally smash it off the hardwood floor. And I look at my wife and I go, sinner, sinner, look at him, sinner, you know, and proving it, proving it each day. But listen, look here, look here, look here. But every single day, I also prove that I am a sinner. Every single day I live, there's evil in my heart and evil in my words and evil with my actions. Because at the end of the day, I am a sinner desperately in need of a Savior as well. You see, so what about Jesus then? Because Jesus did not have a human father conceived of the Holy Spirit, this means the line of descent of original sin passed on to every single human being who proves it. As we have said, this was partially interrupted because Jesus conceived by the Holy Spirit and then formed in the womb of Mary. You say, well, I thought Joseph was Jesus' father, foster parent, stepdad, conceived of the Holy Spirit, not his true dad, fully God, fully man because of the virgin birth. Jesus did not descend from Adam like every other human being in history, therefore Jesus was different. Because then of the virgin birth, Jesus was not under the condemnation of sin and there was no corruption in him as there is in you and I. This is precisely why. Gabriel says to Mary in Luke chapter 1, he says this about the birth about to happen from her life. Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Notice, therefore, here's the implication of the virgin birth. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the only child ever named Holy. Why? Because He is the Son of God. That is why the virgin birth was utterly critical and necessary. And don't you see through the virgin birth too? The Lord is setting up for eternal transformation. Because the one who will be born is the one without sin. The one who can pay the perfect sacrifice on the cross for you and I that we have a chance to live. We can't do that for ourselves. Jesus Christ came. That's why Christmas is such a big deal. That's why at Christmas there's so much joy. The transformation available in the one life of Jesus Christ, who was born and lived and died and rose from the dead, that we have the hope of everlasting life. If I want to see the Lord work in my life, I must start by believing that his birth was truly supernatural. And secondly, secondly this, receive. I must receive him as Savior. So you see this now? If you truly believe, that means we will also receive. So look at verse 21 now. Verse 21, the angel continues to speak to Joseph in a dream. Here's what the angel says. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now I'm praying right now you will realize just how incredible this verse really is. In fact, I want to read it again slowly because this right here, loved ones, this this is Christmas. Verse 21 is Christmas. Christmas. So here's what I'm praying will happen right now. The eggnog will be put aside just for a moment. The shopping will stop just for a brief period of time. I'm praying that the, the jingling bells will just be silent just for a moment. And we can look, read, and listen to what Christmas is truly about. Verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Here it is. For he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is a form of Hebrew for Joshua or Jeshua. In the Hebrew, literally, it means Jehovah will save. Notice how clear the Bible is here. Jesus has come to save us. You say save us from what? The text says it so clearly. Save us from our sins. Notice that Jesus wasn't ultimately sent to give people food. He wasn't ultimately sent to make people more financially prosperous, as some people heretically teach. He wasn't ultimately saved to even make people happy in our terms of how, just make me happy. If I follow Jimmy happy, can't guarantee happy, you can guarantee joy. Why would you be joyful? Because he came to save us from our sins. And there's no greater need that we have as human beings. What do we learn here? Obviously, if you look at verse 21 in face value, we learn here sin must be a problem. Otherwise, we wouldn't need to be saved from it. Why is sin a problem? Because the Bible tells us sin equals death. Not one sin gets into heaven. Not one. Not one detestable thing. Book of Revelation says that. Romans says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God all have sinned. No one can match the demands of God in perfection because we're sinful. That means sin is a problem. Every one of us sin, we're in trouble. We cannot save ourselves. Therefore, we need a Savior see that's the joy of christmas that's why the angels sang that's why the shepherds ran that's why the wise men bowed down that's why mary ponders that's why joseph is revealed here by an angel in a dream because this is the mind-blowing truth and announcement and joy of christmas time that the one has arrived who will save us from our sins and the person who recognizes that they're a sinner in need of a savior that's the life that gets changed but it takes the humility to recognize that you need someone beyond yourself. For 22 years in my life, I lived for self. I lived for personal satisfaction. I lived for self indulgence. I lived for entertainment. I lived for partying. I lived for whatever could satisfy me in my terms. At the age of 22, it all bottomed out and I became utterly miserable. I hated who I was and I couldn't understand why. Long story short, a song was brought into my life as I was by myself in 1997 and here are the words that I began to hear that the Lord used to change my life forever. I keep trying to find a life on my own apart from you. You being Christ. I am the king of excuses. I got one for every selfish thing I do. Just leave this slide for a second. This right here is the DNA of sin. At the heart of every human being, at the end of the day, it's... It's me. What's in it for me? Left to ourselves. Every person fights for themselves. This is where I was. Next slide. The song said, what's going on inside of me? I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm my suspicions. You know, you go through life and you're just constantly wondering. You're saying, there's got to be more than this. And this line was used. This is my gospel line that the Lord used to forever change my heart and life, never the same again, born again, that I'm still a man in need of, and here it is, I'm still a man in need of a Savior. Every person who comes to that realization of truth, of why Christmas happened, that we were sinners in need of a Savior, and the chorus of the song goes like this then. It says, I want to be in the light, as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heavens. Our world is so dark. Our world is so evil. Our world is so corrupt. Our world is just so, so much pain and heartache and misery. And it's amazing the longing of human beings for something again out of the darkness. And this is what the child of God says that they see Jesus Christ who comes as the light of the world. John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Jesus says, I in the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. Shine like the stars in the heavens. O Lord, be my light and be my salvation, My savior. Because all I want is to be in the light. Christmas is verse 21. The heart, the meaning of Christmas, reveals to us Jesus as the Son of God came. This is the purest Christmas you might hear all year. Again, verse 21, She will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, throughout this series, and some of you have not been here during this series, a lot of you have, I promise that I will bring some Christmas words of a Christmas hymn that we sing often to kind of re- renew our minds and what we're actually singing. Right now, I want to do this, I'm a Little Town of Bethlehem, this is one of the verses in a Little Town of Bethlehem, and you may remember how the tune goes, you know, how silently, how silently, listen to how this, our text today is in this, in this verse, how silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given to so God imparts to human hearts, the blessings of his heaven. So, what's happening right here in the incarnation? God's imparting to us the blessings of heaven. Now, the, watch this. No ear may hear his coming. He came so meek, so humble. Bethlehem, a, a nobody town to a nobody uh, teenage Hebrew couple. Most humble in a, in a, in a, in a manger. <laughs> So no ear may hear is coming, but in this world of sin, here it is. Ready for some here right now, right now. Where meek souls will receive him. See, the proud have nothing to do with God because they think they are God. They don't have any needs. I don't I got. I got it all together. But those who really see themselves, they become broken in their own reality. Where meek, humble. Broken, desperate souls will receive him still. Here it is. Ready? This sentence can change your life today. The dear Christ enters in. He comes as the Savior. He comes as the one to redeem and reconcile. He comes as the one to love eternally. So we have belief. We have receive. And now, if that happens, then this happens. Perceive. Perceive. Number three then I will perceive his presence. Because look what happens in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what Isaiah the prophet said by the Lord. Verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, notice this, which means God with us. This prophecy, this is awesome, this prophecy was given 600 years before Jesus Christ was born. Again, in Isaiah chapter 7. It was originally given in the context to King Ahaz, who was so afraid that the royal line of Judah would be destroyed. Consider then what God says in this context. He's like, my line will not be destroyed. In fact, what's gonna happen is I will give a sign and a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And the reason his name will be Emmanuel is because that means I am coming to dwell with you. I will be among you. Consider what God is saying, and this goes right in the face right now of our world. The God who is so humble, but one day he will return and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Father says, even through this prophecy right here, he says, my plans will never be thwarted. He says, my sovereignty will not be challenged. My will will be done. Why? How? Because God will send his son, and through a virgin she will conceive, and God will be born, Emmanuel, God with us. Consider Christmas then. Consider the message of Christmas. God is so for you. I want you to take this. I want you to personalize it in your heart right now. God is so for you that he could not stay away from you. He was so for you, he loved you so much that he sent his son to dwell on earth, to be born in such humility, to live a life of perfection, to die on the cross for all of your sins and mine, past, present, and future, to be raised from the dead. He's so for you, he could not stay away from you. This is the part when I think about it, I'm like, who would not want to receive the gift of eternal life through the love of God because he was willing to come and lay down and die that every evil thing you and I have ever done, who in their right mind would reject a gift such as that? This is the gospel. This is the message of love in the Christian faith and there is no message of love greater that will be found in this world and this is where we come to the heart of this message the greatest truth ever given God sent his son Jesus Christ to live a perfect life that he might be our perfect sacrifice and all who will receive his sacrifice their sins are forgiven Every single sin you've ever committed and will commit, when you receive the gift of eternal life through forgiveness of your sins, every single sin has been paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you receive the free gift of salvation in Christ. Again, that's why Christmas changes the world forever. Because the moment he comes, man, lives are being changed for the glory of God. Of God and when you believe and receive here's what happens you perceive the presence of God in your life the person who goes from death to life literally becomes born again spiritually and the Holy Spirit of God comes and fills them causing them to be a new creation that's why I saved 19 years ago so drastically Nothing's changed, still here today, more fired up for Jesus than ever before, because when he starts something, he finishes it. And he's doing that across this globe today. Today. Some of you, some of you are here right now, and you say, I want this presence in my life. What must I do? It's not that complicated, really, but it does require faith. You must embrace that 2,000 years ago the, the Messiah arrived on earth in love for you. You must believe in the supernatural birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he came in such humility out of love for you. You must receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead out of love for you. And as this genuinely happens, then you will perceive the presence of God entering in and changing your life. I want you to notice here, some of you walked into this place right now and you believe, well, if I'm a good person, don't I go to heaven? But you'll never be good enough. See, that's the problem with sin. It just takes one sin and you're out. To so notice, everything happening at Christmas, it's all grace. Everything happening on Good Friday, it's all grace. Everything happening at Easter Sunday, the resurrection, we can't earn this. It's nothing to do with us. Zero. Zero of us. Zero of us. It's all a gift. It's all grace. It's all love. You don't earn it. You don't don't do better deeds to get it. You don't be nicer than the person beside you. you. You can't ever do enough. The whole point of the gospel, it's a free gift. It's a gift of love, a gift of grace, a gift of mercy. This is the true meaning of Christmas. Believe, receive, and then perceive. And notice how our text ends here in verse 24, and I end with this. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife... Listen, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Maybe the last sentence could be the most important today. And he called his name Jesus. When he called him Jesus, he called him the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He named him the Savior of the world. I have one final question for you today and it might be the most important question you ever answer in your life, ever. It's this. What are you calling Jesus? him today what name are you giving for the savior of the world the one born on christmas day lived died and rose from the dead listen how you answer that question will literally determine your eternity joseph named him the savior of the world and Joseph's life forever changed for every single person who also says with sincerity and love he is jesus the lord and Savior of my life, you too will never be the same again. May it be the best Christmas ever for all the right reasons. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will be granting life even now. Father, I pray that there are dozens and dozens of people here right now who maybe for the first time understand with eyes with the ability to see in ears with the ability to hear in hearts with the ability to even feel that you are the answer to life that jesus christ is the lord of all glory that that christmas day when you came as a humble babe you were born in such a way that you would come and before and save your people from their sins oh lord may there be gratitude Oh Lord, may there be life. Oh Lord, I pray right now there'd be such an understanding that you are God. You are love again. You are life. Eternal life. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you loved us so much that you came, lived, died, and rose again. I'll say it again. Father, I pray that for many in this room right now, this is by far the single greatest Christmas they have ever had for the reasons of life in Jesus Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.